This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graber. The drug naloxone, otherwise known as Narcan, is a critical tool in reversing fentanyl overdoses and reducing mortality. But now fentanyl is appearing on the streets adulterated with a drug called xylazine. So xylazine is an adulterant. It's typically used as a animal anesthetic within surgeries. Uh, and is not approved for human use. Uh, We've seen this increase, though, of xylazine appearing within opioid use populations, within samples of seized drug supplies, positivity within urine samples from folks in treatment and other programs. Uh, So this emergence of xylazine within the national supply of opioid use. And so this emerging threat that we, we really are limited in what we know about with respect to the health harms, with respect to the potential consequences for treatment and other consequences that might occur with continued exposure. Justin Strickland, assistant professor at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, and Cassandra Gibson-Reichardt, associate professor in the Department of Pharmacology Nutritional Sciences at the University of Kentucky, are the co-authors of a new paper in the journal Neuropsychopharmacology about the importance of integrating public health and translational science to address the challenges of xylazine adulteration of fentanyl. Dr. Gibson-Reichardt, what's the potential public health impact of this adulteration? They think that it's leading to potentially exacerbating overdose deaths. But again, like Justin said, we don't necessarily know enough about that because right now, you know, Narcan is a first-line treatment to reverse opioid overdose. But xylazine is actually a different compound. It works on um, alpha-2 adrenergic receptors as an agonist. And opioids work on the mu opioid receptor. It's more complicated than that, but just basically as primary mechanisms of action. And so uh, it's not clear that Narcan reverses xylazine's effects. And so it might be the case that you know Narcan is working to reverse op- the opioid overdose, but xylazine is an anesthetic. And so what you might still see is extreme sedation from the xylazine because Narcan can't reverse that. The paper you co-authored goes through both the public health aspect of addressing this crisis and the translational basic science. Let's start with public health. Dr. Strickland, what's the critical role of surveillance here? Yeah, so when we talk about drug trends in the U.S., a lot of times we lag in what we know of what's in the drug supply. So a lot of the surveillance programs that exist in terms of, for example, looking at opioid overdose deaths or other drug overdose deaths lag a year, if not longer, in terms of the reporting, because there is very good and rigorous standards that are put into place to make sure that they're accurate and representative data. But when we talk about needing to address an emergent problem, a year lag might as well be decades lag. We fall behind in terms of the treatment programs we can provide, the immediate detection of novel adulterants or novel drugs in the drug supply. And so there's the need for this more sort of rapid, still systematic sampling methods for detecting early signs and early warnings of um, emerging threats and emerging harms that might exist. And so just kind of one really good example of that is Dawn. It's a um, program sponsored by um, NIH. Uh, Some work that's being done to take these more sort of rapid representative quick scans of emerging threats and not necessarily say at the same level of certainty like we might have with these other sources from the CDC of this is absolutely the prevalence rate, but these are early warning signals that we should keep a better uh, signal of. So you're saying we need both, both the systematic and the rapid approaches. Do the rapid approaches need additional funding? Yeah, so I think there's there's twofold. One, the recognition of that they exist. So 
there are certainly lags in terms of what the both scientific and public community know in terms of these sort of other alternative ways of collecting information and collecting rapid surveillance information. So simply just knowing that they exist is really important. Um, I think that's that's kind of the easy step is we don't necessarily even need to throw additional funding towards something directly, but funding towards its recognition and utilization. But then, of course, there's also the other end of that, of funding more of these programs that can provide rapid detection, whether they would be nationwide programs or programs that are funded through things like syringe exchange programs, other points, hot points of contact, um, emergency departments, uh, where you could get the rapid recognition of immediate threats or immediate harms relative to other sort of those slow moving but broader sweeping programs. Dr. Gibson Reichart, what role does translational basic science play in advancing our understanding of the situation and improving treatment options? Yeah, so that's something we can do rather quickly using these animal models. So we can use basic science to rapidly start to answer some of these questions. So we can use animal preclinical models to try to translationally evaluate levels of xylazine and fentanyl that might be uh, used clinically in persons who inject drugs and try to recapitulate some of the biology to find targets to potentially develop new treatments and also just figure out what xylazine is doing to fentanyl, whether it's suppressing intake uh, for different reasons and try to figure out what those systems are so that we can better pinpoint potential treatment options. And so that's what my lab is doing currently. And what have you seen in the lab? So in my lab, um, we've run a number of studies now. Um, The first one that we got published was really to establish the model of intravenous xylazine with fentanyl during uh, self-administration in animals. This had never been done before. And so we were able to establish that model and get doses set. And then we wanted to evaluate both self-administration, so how does xylazine change intake of fentanyl? And then also we wanted to look at withdrawal. So in my lab, we measure somatic signs of withdrawal. um, And you can look at that across different times. So there's an acute withdrawal syndrome, and then there's also a more protracted or prolonged withdrawal syndrome. And so we looked at fentanyl without xylazine and compared it to fentanyl with xylazine. And we really did see a dose-dependent suppression of fentanyl intake when you increase the xylazine dose. So xylazine really was, you know, we noted locomotor impairment at the higher doses, and it really did decrease intake of fentanyl. And then what we saw was some sex differences in terms of the withdrawal syndrome. And so we saw this increase in withdrawal symptoms in the fentanyl with xylazine groups. And then when we looked at that as a function of biological sex, we found that it was severe in females, but we really didn't see it in males. And we also gave them a naloxone challenge or um, Narcan, and we did not see that um, naloxone exacerbated withdrawal in these animals. And so, you know, it could be that we need uh, higher doses of naloxone to see effects which might make sense because fentanyl is more potent than other opioids that have been in the drug supply. And so that might be kind of a strategy to help reverse overdose uh, with greater efficacy. One of our levels of thinking is to maybe target adjunct therapeutics that can reverse xylazine's effects, maybe, you know, to add it to Narcan as a first line treatment. Overall, what do you both think is the biggest takeaway from your look at what's necessary as xylazine becomes a more widespread fentanyl adulterant? 
So one of the major take homes that hopefully the short piece emphasizes is the importance of research at every translational level. Uh, so at the level of, and we've really, I think, hit it home today at the level of public health and surveillance, that public health and surveillance isn't just about giving us prevalence estimates every year of substance use. It's about emerging trends. It's about the identification of novel ideas that we as laboratory scientists, both in the human laboratory and preclinical laboratory, can see and translate into what we're doing to hopefully feed back into effective treatments, effective prevention methods, and other effective interventions. I think it's really important for us as preclinical scientists in any field, but right now we're talking about substance use disorder, to be listening to epidemiological research, to be watching these trends uh, more closely, because the only reason that my lab was able to start doing this research as quickly as we did or as early on as we did is because I was having a conversation with a friend who's at the clinical level. And so I do think it's important for us to be following that literature and to be talking to each other more. I think one of the silver linings or the one of the positive aspects about some of the effective treatments that we do have is that it's not that they necessarily won't work in the context of xylazine. So I think uh, Narcan uh, is the brand name. Naloxone is the more generic name. The presence of xylazine, as far as we can tell, won't necessarily stop that effect on fentanyl. It just won't necessarily help with the xylazine aspects of that overdose. So there's still life-saving and important interventions that we do have, and that we still need to emphasize the importance of their distribution and, and help. It's just that we need to add on things in the presence of of xylazine's emergence. This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the article discussed in the podcast, go to www.nature.com slash NPP. I'm Cynthia Graber.